Well, good morning. God is good? And all the time? Amen. Well, it is a joy to be here this morning. I wanted to start by just sharing a few announcements with you. Um, Grief Share will be meeting weekly on Tuesdays beginning March 1st from 1 to 2.30 in the youth room. You can call the church and you can register for that. And let me just share with you, Grief Share is a uh, an incredible ministry to help walk with people as they're going through the pain of loss, of, of losing a loved one. And we would love for you to be a part of that. If that is something that's uh, that, that you have been walking through, you can call the office. We would love to share with you more information on that. It's uh, It begins on March 1st, and it goes for, I believe, 13 weeks. Is that correct? 13 weeks. I also wanted to share with you that, uh, because many of y'all know that this is Mardi Gras week, means that our police officers are not here today um, because they're downtown, which means it's going to take a long time to get out of the parking lot. Uh, but since we're all brothers and sisters in Christ, it's going to go well. Uh, but I just wanted to share with each of you uh, that, that so that you would know. I, I also got word today uh, that Brother Ed Lacey passed away this morning. I know that we've been praying for him, and we need to be praying for Miss Diane and the family and uh, during all of this, this time. And as we begin our time this morning, we are going to take a special time of prayer. I don't know how many of you have... Uh, seen the news, but I'm sure that you're watching it quite regularly. But with what's going on in Russia and Ukraine, my heart is absolutely broken. I've shared with many people that in my short 37 years of life, I've never seen a country just roll in like this into another country. And it breaks my heart because I know that there's a lot of suffering and pain that's going on. It breaks my heart to see all that's taken place. And so we're going to just pray for the Ukrainian people. Before I do that, I talked with Dr. Joe Savage. Many of y'all know Dr. Joe, Roads of Hope. And he has shared with me how they are involved. You know, for the past several years, they have been connecting with and building relationships uh, both in Ukraine and Moldova. And... I can't share everything, but I will share with you that they are personally involved helping orphans and helping refugees as they come across the border. I put this slide up for you today because if there is any organization that I trust that's going to support and truly use finances to help those specifically in need in Ukraine, Moldova, and other countries that are bordering the Ukraine crisis, this is the place that I have complete trust in. And so if you've shared with me, hey David, we'd love to help in any way, I can guarantee you that, and I've heard specifically from Dr. Joe what they are doing uh, to help refugees. And what he told me this, and I can share this, is that the first goal is to get people to safety. The second goal is to give them physical needs food, water, and shelter. And their third goal is to give them spiritual needs, to pray with them and to share the gospel. And they do all of that in the name of Jesus. 
And so as I said, I put that up there so that if anybody would like to help and support, you can do that. I know that here at Luke 418, we support Roads of Hope every month and even going to meet with the missions team about possibly doing something even now to help in this crisis. But let's go to the Lord in prayer as we begin this morning. Father, I confess that I am overwhelmed hearing of the news, the pain and the suffering that is happening in our world. And Father, I recognize that pain and suffering and hurt and all of this that's taking place all comes from the fall of man. But Father, we are so thankful that in your mercy and your grace that you sent your son to die on the cross. Father, that we may have life and life abundantly. Father, I pray specifically for the people of Ukraine. Father, I pray protection, provision, Father, over them. Father, I thank you for their willingness to stand. But Father, in the midst of all the pain and the suffering, Father, I pray that they would come to a recognition, realize, Lord, a realization, Father, that at the end of the day, they're in need of a Savior. And that Savior is Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you for Dr. Joe, Roads of Hope, and other ministries who are providing help in the name of Jesus. Who's walking alongside those who have lost everything and telling them that if they have Jesus, they have everything. So Father, I pray, Lord, right now, that your hand would be upon each of these ministries. That you would give them safety and and the financial resources that they need, oh God. And Father, we also pray that Russia would be stopped. Father, as it says in the book of Proverbs, that the king's hearts are in your hand. And Father, you can turn them just like a river. Father, I pray that you would turn the heart of Putin away from this destruction. Oh, Father, I confess, Lord, that as we come into this time to just sing and praise and lift worship to you, oh God, through our song and also through hearing of your word, Father, I confess that my mind and my heart is overwhelmed and broken by all the news. But Father, I ask that you would empty me and renew my mind and heart. As it says in Romans 12, 2, And Father, I pray that your word would go forth. Because what every person needs, more than physical safety and physical needs, is they need you. And so, Father, may we proclaim that today. Lord, we love you. We praise you. And we give you all glory. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. 
Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today in worship. Uh, we're glad that you're here uh, and also online. We're, we're glad that, that everybody can meet together in that way. If you're a guest with us, we would love for you to fill out the welcome card in the seat back pocket right in front of you. I uh, love Brother David's heart as, as, uh, as we talked about everything going on in the world. Everything is on shifting sands. But Jesus Christ is our cornerstone. Amen? And nothing but His blood can save. Let's stand together. Why don't you welcome the person next to you and we'll sing together. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And oh, precious is the Every tongue is going to confess that Jesus is Lord. The nations are in His hand. He is ruler of all. All creatures of our God and King, lift up your voice and with us sing. Oh, praise Him. Hallelujah. Oh, praise Him. Oh, praise Him. 
so glad that I have a king that I can rely on that's not a far way off that we don't have to send a letter uh, with a million stamps and maybe he'll get back with us he's but a word away he's but a prayer away he's but a knee bow away from you and he holds all power and all glory in his hand and so we pray today Lord take us and use us in our broken state take those pieces put us back together not for our glory but for his Let's ask for clean hands and a pure heart this morning. We bow our hearts. We bend our knees. Oh, Spirit, come make us humble. We turn our eyes from evil things. Oh, Lord, we cast down our idols. Sing it out. Give us clean hands, give us pure hearts, let us not lift our souls to another. Give us clean hands, give us pure hearts, let us not lift our souls to another. No God, let us be a generation that your face, oh God of Jacob. No God, let us be a generation that sees. Seeks your face, oh God of Jacob. We bow our hearts, we bend our knees. Oh, Spirit, come make us humble. We turn our eyes from evil things. Oh, Lord, we cast down our idols. Give us clean hands. Give us pure hearts. 
I've ever found comes like a flood, comes flowing down at the cross, at the cross. I surrender my life. I'm in all of you. I'm in all of you. Where your love ran red and my sin washed white, I owe all to you. I owe all to you. And here my hope is found here on Lord, you're our everything. You're the promised one, our Messiah and Savior, Lord. I pray that there would be nothing that I am holding on to that you can't have. That we make it all about you today. Lord, and as we think of uh, those that have passed away and that are now in glory with you, we pray that we would run the race with as much fervor as those who have gone before us, Lord, and that we would learn and that we would grow because of the people that you have put in our life to be the body of Christ with us. You're the one that guides and directs and leads us, and we pray that you would lead us on even today. In Jesus' name, amen. Today, well, this past Friday, marked one year of the passing of Brother Ed. And you know, Brother Ed Keyes was, if not the most humble man I've ever met. Brother Ed always pointed me and others to Christ. I love sitting there and hearing God speaking in and through him. Brother Ed said this in his own words. He said that being a worship leader or pastor is not about building songs and music for a service, but it's about people. Helping them grow and learn how to worship and praise the Lord effectively. A worship leader must be a pastor, a minister, and music as a way to live out that calling. 
I know many of us were impacted by the life of Brother Ed. The verse that always comes to my mind about Brother Ed is 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1. Paul says, I ask you to follow me as I follow Christ. And Brother Ed often said, the life that he lived, he could have never done in his own power or in his own strength. And that's how he knew that it was Christ in him, the hope of glory. Today, we're going to sing one of Brother Ed's favorite songs. But let me just tell you that this song is not about Brother Ed because that's the last thing that he would want. But this song is about his God who he devoted his life to. And may we follow that example of humility and leading others to Christ as we follow Christ.
know it's hard to, to speak after that. God is here. And you know, the blessing of it is, is that because he has placed his sanctuary in our heart and filled it with his presence, the Holy Spirit, that wherever we go, God is there. He is with us. We've seen it all throughout the scripture, as I shared last week, even going all the way back to Psalm 23, that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Today we're going to see that God was with them in the fiery furnace. As we continue to look in the book of Daniel, we've been in Daniel for nine weeks and we are finishing chapter three today, so we are moving uh, quite along. And as we look at this passage and as we finish up Daniel chapter three, this is the story that you all know very well. We, We spoke on it last week, walked through it, and But I'm just praying that today that we would uh, allow the Holy Spirit just to illuminate the pages and give us the practical, the application for us to take and to live by. Last week I shared with you that in verse 15 there's this phrase that I had never seen before even though I had studied and, and heard this from a child when Nebuchadnezzar said, And what God is there that can deliver you from my hands? What a prideful, what an arrogant statement that was said. But I believe that that spirit of pride exists today in our world. And we see it all throughout our world. And God is going to show and answer that question today. And so if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, open up to chapter 3 of Daniel, starting with verse 19. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with wrath and his facial expressions was altered toward Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he answered by giving orders to heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. He commanded certain valiant warriors who were in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in order to cast them into the fiery or into the furnace of blazing fire. Then these men were tied up in their trousers, their coats, their cap, and their other clothes and were cast into the midst of the furnace of blazing fire. For this reason, because the king's command was urgent and the fire had been made extremely hot, the flames of the fire slew those men who carried up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell into the midst of the fire, or into the midst of the furnace of blazing fire, still tied up. Nebuchadnezzar was astounded. And he stood up in haste and he said to his high officials, Was it not three men we cast bound in the midst of the fire? And they replied to the king, Certainly, O king. And he said, Look, I see four men loosed, walking about in the midst of the fire without harm. And the appearance of the fourth is like the son of the gods. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the furnace of the blazing fire, and he responded and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, come out, you servants of the Most High God, and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. The satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the king's high officials gathered around and saw in regards of these men that the fire had no effect on their bodies. Of these men, nor of their hair, of their head was singed, nor were their trousers damaged, nor had the smell of fire even come upon them. 
And Nebuchadnezzar responded and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servant, who put their trust in him, violating the king's command, and yielded up their bodies as not to serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, make a decree that any people, nation, or tongue that speaks anything offensive against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb and their house reduced to rubbish heap. Inasmuch as there is no other God who is able to deliver in this way. Then the king caused Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to prosper in the providence of Babylon. Father, we ask that you would illuminate the pages this morning. And that we may walk in obedience. For it's in your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. So we have seen this story play out. I shared with you last week that sometimes I wish that I could sit they're seeing this story without knowing the ending. Can you imagine being in the shoes of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? We know that our God is able, but we don't know what he's going to do. But we're going to follow him no matter what. Can you imagine the valiant warriors, the satraps, and the prefects, and all the people who were speaking into the king? Man, these guys are toast, literally. Like, this, this is not good for them. They are about to die in the fiery furnace. But then we see this uh, incredible moment here. We see the power of God on display. But before we see that, we see in verse 19 that King Nebuchadnezzar was filled with wrath and his facial expressions were altered toward Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The first thing I want us to look at today is that the fire was fueled by pride. The fire was fueled by pride. We see that when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego determined in their heart to follow God, and ultimately that resulted in not bowing before the king's idol, that he wanted to heat up seven times hotter the fiery furnace. See, what happened in this moment is the king was not used to people Telling him no. The king was not used to hearing that he's wrong in asking them to bow before an idol. The king was not used to people standing up against him, such as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. And in that, his reaction that took place was that his facial expressions changed and he was fuming mad. And in doing so, he said, Well, if that's the case, I'm going to make this even worse on you. As if the fiery furnace was not enough, I'm going to heat it up seven times more because he was allowing his emotions to lead the way. He was reacting in this moment. Church, do we not see this today? Think about this for a moment. How does our culture respond When we take a stand for Jesus Christ. How does our culture respond when we say that we will bow to no other God but Christ? You say, but David, we're not faced with these idols and all these things that that we see here in Daniel chapter 3. Yes, that is the case. But let me tell you, our culture today says that one, that you must uh, not just tolerate their sinful action, but they say that you must approve 
of their sinful action. Church, when we say that we do not approve of the actions that are taking place, we are ultimately saying that we as believers will not bow to any other God but Jesus. See, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I believe this was the first cancel culture. The king said, you're not going to bow, I'm going to cancel you. And now we see today the same situation. Our culture saying, well, if you're not going to approve of all these things that we think are right in our mind, we're going to cancel you. And what often happens is that we find ourselves fearful and not speaking. Church, we must continue to stand As Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did even in the face of losing their earthly life to say no to the idol. Jesus speaking in John chapter 15, verse 18 and 20, he says, I don't want you to be, uh, not to to know the fact that the world's going to hate you because first it hated me. It says, if the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. Remember the words that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they keep my word, they will keep yours also. Church, are we willing to stand in the midst of a culture that says that what they think is right, and if you don't approve of it, they're going to come against you? Are we willing to stand and say that if they persecuted Christ, then they're going to persecute us, and so we're going to determine in our heart right now, today, that I'm going to follow Jesus no matter the cost. If you wait until the moment happens you'll find yourself going with the flow of the culture. As I shared last week, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah all determined in their heart, not that they would do this or do that, but that they would follow Yahweh no matter the cost. I don't know what type of persecution the culture is going to bring on you or me tomorrow, but I can tell you this, if you've determined in your heart to follow Jesus, then you will stand firm in the midst of that. But if you focus in on all these little things, I'm going to stand here, I'm going to stand there, and I'm going to stand here, then you're going to get caught off guard with something you weren't thinking about and say, well, what do I do? We must say we're going to follow Jesus no matter the cost. I love how Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah in that statement that's so profound in verse 13 through 15 where they said, even if God doesn't, we will not bow. Why? Because we've determined to follow Yahweh. But there's a second thing I want us to see here about this this pride that fueled the, the fiery furnace. And that's the reaction that Nebuchadnezzar had when he was told no. Or when he was told not to bow, brothers and sisters, or excuse me, they, that they would not bow. Brothers and sisters, we must be careful too that we don't respond the same way Nebuchadnezzar does when a brother or sister comes to us with a faithful admonishment in our life. Now think about this for a second. How do you feel when somebody comes and speaks something to 
with a heart of love and grace so that we would grow in that manner. Oftentimes what happens is we run to defense and we become often uh, frustrated. Like, why are you saying this? And we must be careful that we don't begin to even have the pride, the arrogance that is coming over Nebuchadnezzar when a brother or sister is coming to us and sharing with us things for us to grow. As one of the six major points for discipleship or for community here at Luke 4.18 is faithful admonishment. Why? Because if we truly love one another, we're going to come and speak into each other's lives so that we would grow. If somebody saw me running off into the deep end, I pray to God that they would have the heart of grace and love to come and speak to me and say, Brother David, I just want to warn you what you are, what you are walking over here. You need to know that this is going to take you further, as Brother Fred always said, than you want to go, cost you more than you're going to want to pay, and keep you longer than you're going to want to stay. Church, how do we respond when a brother or sister comes and speaks into our life? I've come to the conclusion that if we're always defensive, then we're not listening. Can you really listen when you're defensive? No, actually, instead of listening, you're trying to think of the next defense to speak because ultimately you're fearful about what somebody thinks about you. Church, we must begin to say, I'm not perfect and none of us are, but we want to grow daily in Christ. And how I do this in my life personally is that when somebody gives me an admonishment, a faithful admonishment, I take that and I say, okay, Lord, first off, I surrender my emotions under your authority and you show me anything in this that I need to receive, and I'll even call a brother or si- a brother in Christ, not a sister, but a brother in Christ, and I'll say, hey, listen, this is what was spoken. I need to know if there's something that I'm missing because sometimes we're deceived, right? Sometimes our eyes, we can't see the own struggle that we have. And if they say, hey, listen, here's something that I have seen, and yes, that's true, then I say, Lord, I repent of this and I fall on my face. But if there's other things that, that just were not true, then I say, Father, I'm going to let that fall to the wayside and I'm going to keep going. Church, How do we respond when a brother or sister comes to us and shares? We see here the response of Nebuchadnezzar, this pride that fueled the fire that just wanted to come against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego out of his frustration. But then we see something. We see God's power on display. Church, we see God's power on display. See, they didn't know whether God would save them from the fire or whether God was going to save them through the fire. But either way, God's power was on display. If God would have stopped everything and not made them go or not allowed them to go into the fiery furnace, God's power was on display. But what we got to see was in the midst of the fire, God was there with them. His power is on display in the fact that the valiant men who didn't even go into the fire were killed, but yet Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were loose walking around in the fire. And when they came out, there was no smell of even smoke on them. Now some people tell us that this was an angel in there with them. Some people believe that this was uh, Jesus in there. Or a Christophany. 
And, you know, either way, the fact of the matter is that God's power is on display. Now, I personally see it as Jesus, and here's why. It's because we see the salvation of these men in the midst of the fire. If nothing else, it's a reflection of what's going to come through Jesus Christ upon the cross. The salvation of these men, they're saved in and through the fire. Let me tell you, our God is bigger than the fiery hells. Church, our God is more powerful than the fire of Nebuchadnezzar. It doesn't make sense to us in our human understanding, but praise God, He's bigger than our human understanding. I love how in Ephesians, the the prayer of Paul, in chapter 1, he says, I pray that you would know what is the surpassing greatness of His power towards those who believe. Church, I pray that you would know the surpassing greatness of God's power. Listen, my heart is shattered because of what's happening in Ukraine. But let me tell you something, my God is bigger. If I didn't believe that, I would be a a wreck right now. But my God is all-powerful, King of kings, Lord of lords. He is infinitely powerful. Infinitely. We see in 1 John 4, 4, it says, You are from God, little children. And have overcome them because greater is he who is in you than he who's in the world. Church, our God is infinitely powerful. Infinitely. Says in John 16 verse 33, Jesus speaking, These things I've spoken to you so that in me you may have what? Shalom. Peace. In the world you have tribulations, but take courage. I have overcome the world. For some of us today, we just need to step back and remember that our God is all-powerful. You know, I began to just dwell on that in my office the other day. And I started to think, not only do we see God's power on display in the fact that He saves them in the midst of the fire, but we see His power on display just in the fact that they have life. Church, God's power is on display right this moment in this room. The fact, as I've told you many times, that our heart is beating, that our lungs are breathing. The human body shows of God's power that He spoke it into existence and breathed into the nostrils breath. Church, do we realize that the provision of food on the table and water and shelter that we have is the power of God in our life? So often we'll sit down and we'll say, uh, a, a prayer right before we eat will say, uh, God is good. God is great. You might know it. And for our food, by his hands we are fed. Thank you, Lord, for daily bread. And it becomes very traditional. And we miss the fact that it is the grace and the mercy and the power of God that we have food on our table. Let me tell you, there are people all over the world today that when they have food, they are saying, Praise God for your mercy and your grace. Praise God for your power. I didn't know where that next meal was coming, but then it came through the hands and feet of the church or through Jesus. Church, we see God's power on display through protection. 
I drove here this morning and didn't have a car wreck. That's the power of God. For some of you, it's more of a miracle than others. But it's the power of God on display. We miss God in the ordinary church. The power of God on display, the fact that we once were dead and now are alive. The power of God on display that we are being transformed every moment through the sanctification process of the Holy Spirit. Church, do you realize that it's the power of God on display when we, in our daily victories over temptation? It's the power of God. So we see the power of God on display in the fiery furnace. But then we see that these men are refined through the fire. Now you may say, David, what do you mean they're refined through the fire? Well, God met them in the fire. They're loosened in the fire, right? They're walking around in the fire. But do you think that they were a little bit more confident in God when they got out of that fire? I mean, can you imagine the nation of Israel... Hanani, Mishael, and Azariah are going in the fire. And all of a sudden now, they didn't have Facebook and telephones and social media, so it had to be word to word, right? Hey, they lived through it. God saved them through it. Do you think in the midst of that, that they walked out saying, man, God is so good. Do you think that they had more confidence to walk through everyday life knowing that God is able? That His power is infinite? Church, they were reminded of His power. They were reminded that He delivers. They were reminded and strengthened in their confidence of His faith in Christ Jesus or in Yahweh. Church, have you had moments in your life like this? Experiences where God was with you in the midst of the fire? Church, do we recognize that our circumstances may seem bleak, but God? Do we recognize that the pain is real, but God? Do we recognize that what we face may be impossible, but God? How do we? We're refined in those situations, and we share with others, as uh, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah would have shared with the nation of Israel, and we all become more and more confident, even in our God, every day. Why? Because we're seeing the power of God on display. I was reminded of myasthenia gravis in my life. God walked with me through it. You think I grew through that? Absolutely. You think I was refined through it? Absolutely. And when I go through struggles in my life, I'm reminded of the God who heals. That through the fire that he... Uh, allowed to fall down through my body and remove myasthenia gravis and I'm able to stand because I say hey I remember the days that God did a mighty work in my life and he's the same yesterday today and forever have you ever been through a financial situation where you couldn't do it but God could and you didn't know what was going to happen but God showed up in a mighty way I'm reminded just of last year in August, I shared with the church that I believed that, that this was the time for us to pay off the building. We get five days away, and I'm trying to figure out how are we going to do this. Three days before the end of the year, God did it. God did it. 
and paid off the, the debt that we had. Listen, we see and now when we walk through these financial situations or difficulties in our life, we remind it because we've been through situations where we have seen God move. Church, I think that some of us need to stop right now and just write down bullet points on our notes of times in our life where we have seen God's power. The nation of Israel, when they crossed the Jordan River, God told them to go and take big stones and to place those down. And he said, the reason is so that whenever you come past by these, or whenever you bring your children by these, and they say, what are these here for? You remind them of the power of God that gave you the promised land that brought you in and defeated the nations around you. Church, are we remembering the power of God that we have seen in our life? I sat Friday afternoon and I just journaled. I just wrote about just different things I saw in 2020 and 2021, how I saw God's hand. And I was shouting and rejoicing. Church, why do we forget these things? Because we don't write them down. We find ourselves five years down the road and we're worried about something when we've seen God's hand and protection, provision, His love, His mercy, His power, His grace all throughout those five years. And then all of a sudden we get overwhelmed by a circumstance and we begin to forget that God is with us. I love what one of my dear friends told me one day. He said, David, what the mind forgets, the pen will not. Church, Are you writing down the things that you have gone through and seen God's hand? How He's refined you and strengthened your faith, strengthened you in the inner man according to the riches of His glory through the Holy Spirit so that Christ may dwell richly in your heart. And then He says right after that that He can do far more abundantly than we could ever ask or think. Church, we must be remembering how God has taken us through the fiery furnace. How he's been with us through it all. But then we get to the last thing here as we close chapter 3. I love this. God answers Nebuchadnezzar's question. He says this in verse 15. And what God can take you out of my hands? And God answers it. Church, we serve a God who is the only God that can deliver us. God is a God who delivers. He delivers. You know, Psalm 18, 1 through 3 says this, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and I am saved from my enemies. Remember that Daniel and Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah, they would have known the Old Testament. And let me tell you what the Old Testament is full of. God Yahweh delivering the nation of Israel from many different things. Let's just go back to the biggest one. They're enslaved in Egypt. 400 years. God delivers them through 10 plagues. 
They find themselves out into the desert or are leaving, and, and Pharaoh says, you know what? Let's go get them. But see, what Pharaoh didn't realize was God delivers. He's our deliverer. They got to the Red Sea. Moses cries out to God. God says, raise up your staff. And I love it. I, cannot get, I just cannot fathom. It says that the, the, the sea, the Red Sea just split in two. And in the book of Exodus, as I've told you many times, it even says that from the nostrils of God, he blew the sea from side to side and they walked through on dry ground. If I was one of those kids, I'd be one to put my hands in the water. They get to the other side of the dry ground and Pharaoh thinks that he can go after them, but he didn't realize that God is the God who delivers. And on that day, they would be fully delivered from the Egyptian army. As the Egyptian army runs into the dry land, the nation of Israel gets to the other side and the waters come crashing down upon the Egyptian army. We see that God is a God who delivers. What about in the New Testament? What about Peter in jail? Does God deliver Peter? Absolutely. What about in the New Testament? People who are possessed by demons, does God deliver them? Absolutely. We see all throughout the scripture that God is a God who delivers. But church, let me tell you, the greatest deliverance that we see in the word of God is the fact that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross so that you and so that I could be delivered from the dominion of sin. He is our deliverer, church. Romans chapter 6, and really I wanted to read the whole chapter, but we don't have time to read the whole chapter, so I'll read verse 17 and 18. But thanks be to God, though you were slaves to sin, you became obedient from the heart to that from a form, form of teaching to which you were committed. And having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Church, do we recognize that our God is a God who delivers? That we were enslaved to the enemy destined to hell and he sent his son to die on the cross. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Church, do we realize that Jesus took our punishment upon him on the cross and imputed upon us his rightful standing before God? Our God is a God who delivers. It says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 3, it shows us, as many of you know this passage, but it tells us what we were delivered from. You were dead in your trespasses and in sin in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of the flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath even as the rest. Oh, but I love verse 4. But God. But God delivers. But God is our deliverer. 
but God rich in mercy. Because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead, even when we were enslaved to the enemy, he delivers us. When we were dead in our transgressions, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the age to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourself, but it is a gift of God. Church, God's all-powerful. He is refining us through the pains and the suffering of this world. And he's our deliverer. He has delivered us from the wages of sin. And when we breathe our last, he is delivering us from this world to eternal life with our Father. Church, throughout this passage in Daniel 1, 2, and 3, we've seen many things about who God is. We've seen that God is the God who reveals. We've seen that God is the God who gives. We've seen that God is our provider. We've seen that God is our deliverer. We've seen that God is sovereign and in control. And so my question today as we close is this. How do you respond to that? How do you respond to the fact that God is all-powerful? How do you respond that He's deliverer? Church, I believe that there's only one response that we can have. That's the response that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had. See, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego... In the midst of all that they were walking through, they gave their life for Christ. They laid their life down because of who God was and is and will always be. And this is what I love about this this whole understanding is what does it mean to give our life to Jesus? And I believe that we can sum it up in this one little thing and that is, that we use every resource of our life to bring glory to God. You may say, David, resource of our life. Yeah, the greatest resource of our life is life itself. It's the breath in our lungs. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood before Nebuchadnezzar. And they said, we are going to even give our life To make God's name known. For his name to be glorified. For his name to be lifted high. Because we know who God is. He's a revealer. He is a deliverer. He is our salvation. He is our provision. He is our protection. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. And so even if God does not rescue us from the fire, we will not bow because He is our God and we worship Him alone. Church, the only response to what has taken place here is for us to fall on our face humbly before God 
and to give him our life. And to say that until I breathe my last, I have work to do. To take the gospel to the nations. I remember that God is all-powerful and so I will not fear. I remember how God has refined me through the fire and so I stand firm. And I know that my God will deliver either here on this earth or as I stand in all eternity with God and God alone. Church, I want to close with a song. I've asked the ensemble to come up today. I don't know exactly what each person in this room is going through. But I can tell you that God is calling us to respond by falling on our face in humility before him. And saying, Father, I will follow you no matter what. And I will give you every resource of my life that when I lay down my, on my head on my pillow at night, I can say that I gave my life today for the glory of God and for his name to be lifted high. And so we're going to close with this song. You're welcome to stand. You're welcome to sit. You're welcome to come and kneel at the altar and pray. I just pray that you would follow as God is leading. We're going to close in just a little different way today as the ensemble sings this song.
Church, what a wonderful day. We serve a God who's in control. Greater is He than who's in us and He who's in the world. He is holy. As we leave today, our offering will be taken at the door. Those who are online, thank you for being with us today. And as we leave, there will be people at the no table. If you're saying today, David, I have never given my life to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Don't leave here without speaking to somebody at the no table. Because we want you to know God personally as Lord and Savior. That you too can say that I'm going to follow Him for I have determined in my heart that I will follow God no matter the cost because He has given His life, Jesus, His Son for me. Church, I love you dearly. I look forward to seeing you this Wednesday. Brother Aaron, let's sing together. At the cross, at the cross, I surrender my life. I'm in awe of you. I'm in awe of you, where your love ran red and my sin washed white. I owe all to you, I owe all to you, Jesus.